This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Transportation Insight, a third-party logistics provider and one of North America's leading suppliers of custom logistics solutions. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. What does it take for an e-tailer to stay in the race with Amazon.com and surmount all of the risks that go with it? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The world of e-commerce, especially when it comes to matching the resources of Amazon.com, is replete with risk. E-tailers are under intense pressure to provide the optimal customer experience, which means building a website that's easy to navigate, offering a wide and attractive selection of products, streamlining the process of checkout while avoiding shopping cart abandonment, processing and shipping orders quickly, and doing it all with the help of the most reliable carriers and service providers available. Today on the show, we welcome Robin Meyer, partner in Enterprise Solutions with Transportation Insight, who describes the eight red risk flags that you can't ignore if you're out to race Amazon and possibly even beat the behemoth. So here is my conversation with Robin Meyer. Robin Meyer, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Our topic today is racing Amazon, or to be more complete, the risk of racing Amazon. What do we mean when we say that, and why is it so important to be in this race with Amazon anyway? So what we're hearing from clients is that Amazon has really laid down the bar in terms of how you need to perform in the e-commerce world. And with that, they've done a lot of same-day, next-day delivery, but they have an unbelievable amount of investments and resources to meet that demand. But our client base in general and most of the country don't have that type of access. And so how do you meet the demand that Amazon has put out so openly to the public, but do so without losing your shirt? And that's what we're seeing a lot of our clients are really working toward now. Okay. And in the course of doing that, there are these what you call eight red risk flags that you cannot afford to ignore. Let's take them one by one quite quickly, if you will. The first one is simply web-based order interfaces. That seems like a self-evident thing. Of course, you need that. Where's the risk there involved in a web-based order interface? The main risk is how easy is it for a customer to go online and order product from your site. Amazon's made it quite easy, as do a lot of retailers, but there are some retailers and manufacturers that are really still struggling with that. Do they have a good cart experience and what's the overall experience for the client? 
or the consumer. You also talk about the need to segment SKUs to emphasize those SKUs that present the biggest return on sales or on profit, too. That's important as well, right? It is. And we talk about that in some of the later risks, but getting an understanding of truly what is saving you or what is making you profit and what is maybe possibly losing profit is very important to shippers. Here comes a tough one. Shopping cart conversions or shopping cart abandonment. This is the curse of e-commerce. What causes that? Why does a a prospective shopper abandon their shopping cart on an e-commerce site? Well, we see and hear a lot of different stories from clients out there about that. The biggest reason is not understanding the true cost of the product. If there's shipping cost involved, there's manufacturing costs that they don't include, all of those different pieces. The other thing that really drives people leaving carts behind and in transit that they're going to experience when they order the product. So it's not necessarily that you have to deliver the product in one to two days, but it's very important that you tell the consumer when they will get that product pretty specific to a date. And that's a big change from what it used to be. It used to be that you would order a product online and it would say seven to 10 days, your product will be here. And where we see the market really driving is your product will arrive on Thursday, becoming much more important. And so that shopping cart conversion is really impactful on that as well. And of course, you have to make the whole ordering experience very, very simple for the users so they don't get frustrated with too many buttons to push, too much information to put in. It's just not a user-friendly website can cause them to walk away pretty quickly, right? It definitely can. And also the use of technology in terms of mobile phone purchasing and smartphone purchasing now, you don't just have to have your website and your cart easy to use on a laptop, but it has to be easy to use on a mobile phone as well. And so a lot of the retailers out there that are leading the market are making sure that that experience is good in terms of the mobile shopping as well. The next one, same-day order fulfillment. Is that a ticket for the price of admission these days? Must you do it? And where does it go wrong? (laughs) It's a really good best practice to have, right? Because it lowers the amount of time that the consumer waits for the product. It doesn't necessarily have to be same-day order fulfillment, but where we do see a lot of our clients' focus now is having flexible order fulfillment, meaning that if they typically have a one-day order fulfillment process, then let's keep it that way. But if they run into a spike or a need to change that, that they're flexible in their labor and order processes. So they're not spending a bunch of profit and losing all of that in leveraging that same-day order fulfillment. There are things that retailers and shippers can do in terms of same-day fulfillment if they don't meet that desired goal, and that's looking at the different shipping options and meeting that time and transit requirement across that way as well. It certainly does seem like we consumers have been spoiled, though. Once it's offered (laughs) to us, we demand it as our right, and sometimes we don't even think we should have to pay extra for it. So that is a big challenge and a big risk, right? Definitely. Not everything is small and deliverable. We have parcel, we have heavy items, bulky items, home delivery, customized delivery, things requiring assembly. Boy, that's a real conundrum sometimes, isn't it? It sure is. What we're seeing is that a lot of customers, you know, choice is becoming king. Right. And so they're willing to pay, believe it or not. The mentality and perception out there is that consumers want everything for free. But there are a lot of consumers out there in the market. Gartner just released a whole study in November about that option. They want to pay for it and they want it delivered when they want it delivered and even set up in their house, in their home or in their office. Right. And so a retailer Mm -hmm. has to be able to offer that or they're behind the eight ball for sure. 
Yeah, this is where scheduling becomes so important because the days are long gone when we were informed by the retailer that they'd be there within sometime within an eight-hour span. <laughs> I don't think that customers will tolerate that anymore, will they? No, not necessarily. They want on-demand day delivery. They want it delivered inside mm-hmm. their home, especially when you're talking about those large things like appliances and bulky goods, right? You can't exactly sit it out on the front porch and walk away. And that's where selecting the most economical mode. So if you have that need, right, if you have a need as a, as a shipper to provide that parcel, heavy home and custom delivery option, working with the most inexpensive but best experienced provider is definitely how you're going to want to leverage that. And so that's going into the next risk, obviously, is how do you look at the most economical mode and who's the best provider for that mode? Doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay the cheapest, right? Because sometimes the cheapest aren't the best, but leveraging both of those pieces to to make it a good puzzle is definitely important. Yeah, and the best, most economical mode might not be the most obvious. I mean, you might think that you every single order has to be the absolute fastest, has to be the most expensive, has to be same day, but the customer doesn't always demand that, right? I mean, how do you know or how can you determine that maybe you can save a little bit on that and not everything has to be one day or same day even? Yeah, definitely. What we typically find with customers and clients that reach out in general across the market is that they're in such a a need. They have such a focus in getting a product there within two, three, four days, whatever their time and transit specifications are, that a lot of times they'll choose what they believe to be a quicker method, even though it would get there in the same amount of time in a less expensive method. And I'll give you a for example. So they'll choose two-day delivery via air, right? Where based on the zone they live in, they could send it ground and it would get there in the same exact time. There's things like that that you have to leverage a partner or a TMS system or some sort of tool to be able to really understand because the carriers actually do a really good job of updating their coverage models, aligning to their networks, all of those different things. So really understanding a carrier's capabilities in certain areas of the country can make a huge impact to a retailer or manufacturer trying to ship to consumers. Doesn't it mean also that you have to keep in your back pocket multiple types of carriers that you can call on according to the need of the particular delivery? You can't rely on just one carrier to provide all these different options, or or can you for that matter? No, not really anymore. Where we see a huge change is the alternative carrier options. A lot of retailers and manufacturers are really starting to leverage the regional carriers, the couriers, all of those different areas across the country that leverage networks that are built specifically for those areas. So it's no longer just UPS and FedEx. It's now UPS and FedEx and a combination of 19 others just in the parcel arena. And then should you be using parcel or should you be doing LTL? I mean, there's a lot of different options that you've got there. And then, of course, there is a possibility of relying on the crowdsource or the rideshare services for packages as opposed to people. That is, to a certain extent there, uh, is that a viable way to go or is that a limited option depending on very specific circumstances? It's pretty specific in terms of where you're shipping to. But I will tell you, we've had a lot of clients that have leveraged couriers and those types of things in a very successful way. Just like anything else, it depends on what you're shipping and where you're shipping it to and where it's coming from, right? And so it's all built around those characteristics. And that's where a lot of retailers and manufacturers are looking at partners that can provide intel into those. Because just like the regional carriers, there's hundreds out there, right? 
that you could leverage on the small mm-hmm. package side, but which ones are the good ones and which ones really can do what you need in terms of service to your customers. That's big. Now, you talk about the importance of being able to audit across all modes. That is the next risk red flag here. We're, guess when we talk about auditing, we're talking about, what, invoice data, are we? Why is that such an important thing to be able to do? Yeah, so as the carriers, especially in the small package side of the world, right, go to more of a scan-based billing, there's less and less errors. So it's not necessarily that you're leveraging audit to go back like you used to in the old days to really get refunds from carriers. It's Mm -hmm. more, are they meeting the demand? What's the true customer experience, right? But it's also getting your hands on those consolidated data sets. And so what we're seeing within the industry is that shippers, retailers, manufacturers are really using the data they're getting from that audit. So the carrier invoice file well as their OMS and WMS systems. We even have customers that are tying SAP into that. And so you get a full vision into your entire supply chain from the order all the way to the delivery. And that's where that audit comes into play. It's not necessarily going after a a manifested not shipped refund. It's more about what's my customer experience how do I get all that data and really understanding where my customers sit, right? You can't move your customers, right? The consumers aren't going to move, but I'm getting charged these accessorials that I may not necessarily need to get charged if I'm looking at different options in terms of carriers and so forth. And so that's where that audit mm-hmm. comes into play, quote unquote. The data is there though, right? It is. It's there yeah. to be audited. It's not a question that we don't have the data, therefore, therefore we can't audit. We have it. We just have to know how to make best use of it. Right. And consolidate it, right, most definitely. And consolidate what, it yeah, across modes, right. Yeah, what you find right. is that retailers, manufacturers, any, generally most companies, they have access to one area of the data or the other, or they have access to all of the data, but it's really not consolidated. And that's where the audit can drive all of those financial and, and operational pieces together and provide visibility into that entire piece. Now, this next to last one seems like it can be a pretty thorny thing to pull off. It's <laughs> line item general ledger coding for skew level profitability. In other words, trying to determine the true cost of carrying inventory of various products. What are the problems there? Is that something that retailers are successfully doing or is it a big challenge? Getting there, there's definitely been improvement over the last couple of years. I was in a trade show two years ago and someone said, we really don't know our true cost of returns. And everybody in the room was really nodding their head and there was about 100 people in the room. I think that's gone away. I think people are really understanding that piece of it better but where you see the challenge is, is the silos within organizations aren't really communicating. So I'll give you a, for example, the marketing team has a huge run on, we want to put this all over our website, right? This one brand. And when we do an analysis, this one brand actually costs more to ship than the profit they're making on that one item. So things like that are the things that are really driving that need for profitability by SKU. It's helping companies decide which of these 300,000 SKUs do I want on my website, but also even better yet, which ones do I want to advertise and really work to draw consumer behavior on? And that's where finding the SKUs that are most profitable and making sure I'm not skipping over one DC to deliver to another DC and so forth and so on really drives that profitability and understanding that across the board. And so that GL coding piece of it and then getting the SKU level profitability means that you're not spending $12 to ship a $10 product. It's really understanding that piece of the pie. 
So if your name is not Amazon, you actually do have to make money on what you're doing. <laughs> you have to show exactly, exactly. a profit. Exactly. Okay. Finally, uh, and I'm seeing a theme here of ability to monitor and audit and record and get access to data, scorecards that support management on the fly. That seems super tough. Tell me about how good a job companies are doing on that. Well, what kind of scorecards are we talking about anyway? Right. So scorecards can mean a lot of different things. You can look at scorecards in regards to the customer experience, right? You go to the carriers and they say, well, we're 99% on time. Well, they're taking into every impact travel and transportation and traffic and weather and all of those different things, right? So they're saying 99 Mm -hmm. where the customer is really only experiencing 94, right? So understanding that. But also, you've got scorecards that manage vendor relationships, drop shipping, all of those fulfillment, all of those pieces. So smart companies really are using scorecards to gather and and disseminate information, actionable intelligence, really, across all areas of their business. So what products were shipped? How were they fulfilled? How quickly did I reach that time in transit? What was my true customer experience? Because the last thing that a company wants is a bad social listening grade, right? And so they really want to make Mm -hmm. sure that the companies and the people, consumers that are buying from them, think there's a good experience to be had there. And that really goes into play with everybody. And then as you see more partnerships also between companies being the back-end fulfillment for large retailers, there's a big need for dashboards and scorecards there because the last thing you want to do is one of your partners calling you saying, hey, I'm getting a lot of customer complaints about your products, right? You want to be able to say, hey, I noticed on my scorecard that I received today, we have delivery issues in, say, New York area, right? There's a lot going on right now in the, in the New York area, right? Yeah. We weren't able to deliver these, and here's what happened, and here's how we're going to fix it. And that's the answer you want to mm-hmm. have, not, oh, gosh, I had no idea. So all of this is the secret to racing Amazon. If you do all these things right, you've won, I assume. But <laughs> I imagine you're, also... You're at least competing. <laughs> you're at least competing, but the cost... The cost of all this seems tremendous, too, and the type of management capability and access to information. But nevertheless, it has to be done, right? This, This is it. This is the key. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you can definitely leverage partners to drive out a lot of that cost. I mean, obviously, if you are working with a team of individuals within your organization and you're trying to do all of this, it can be very time consuming and costly. But if you're looking at 3PLs, 4PLs, fulfillment partners, technology partners, there's ways that you can do this without it breaking the bank. And I met with a client the other day and I said, tell me a little bit more about your team. They recently came on board with us and I said, tell me a little bit more about your team. And he said, well, I only have four people that work directly for me, but I have a team of 32. And I said, explain that. And he said, well, I have this vendor that provides this solution and I have this vendor that provides this solution and I have this vendor that does that. And he needs these vendors. Mm-hmm. I have people that work and, and work directly for me. And he said, so that's my team. He said, although I have a small team here, I have a really large team that enables me to do everything that I need to do on a daily basis and not break the bank. And I think that's important for companies to understand. Robin, tell me about Transportation Insight. When was the company formed and what was its mission from the get-go? 
Yeah, so TI, Transportation Insight, actually started out as a 3PL back in 1999. So the goal of the company at that point in time was really to help clients leverage and and use the best resources for LTL truckload. That was our main goal and our main focus and really how we built the company. As the time has evolved, we have continued to add to our solution set to help clients with needs that have evolved in that time frame as well. So as a client need or a prospect need comes to fruition, like a need for small package understanding and or fulfillment partners or warehousing partners, things of that nature, what Transportation Insight has done is seen that need and made the decision either to build it internally or go out and acquire or partner with someone that can provide that solution. And so our solution set as a whole now, today in 2020, really is an extension of your supply chain team as a shipper, carrier, whatever your role may be. So we help manufacturers, retailers, distributors look at their overall supply chain, find the gaps, and then through a consultative partnership, answer any of those needs and solve those problems they may have through our solution set. So it sounds like the consulting aspect has grown tremendously over the years, and yet you are still pursuing your roots in third-party or logistic service provisions. Is that the case? I mean, you're still that doing is. that, right? Yeah, we still we still have the core areas, right, which is the LTL, the truckload, the parcel, those pieces. But where we've really kind of evolved to is being that consultative branch for our clients. They see an evolution or we hear of an evolution coming in the industry. We come to them and we say, hey, we're hearing this is happening. We've seen clients successfully do it this way and this way, and we can help you do that. Or we can leverage that knowledge to really kind of break down the learning curve, right? And so that's where we've really gone to and escalated to. So most recently, our most recent acquisitions have been we had a we saw a big need in the market for brokerage services. And so we partnered with NTG to drive out our brokerage program. A lot of our clients with the China tariffs and the changes with Brexit and all were really needing help on the international trade compliance piece. And so TI, about a year and a half ago, took a turn and started working with one of the leaders in that industry to really provide information to our clients and provide duty drawback and things of that arena. And we continue to really focus on transportation as well. I mean, with all of the stuff that's going on in the world today with coronavirus and so forth, our clients are reaching out, asking us about fulfillment, being in alternative sourcing areas. So we're continuing to do all of those pieces as well. So the TI you see today may not be the TI you see in three or four years. It'll definitely have additional solutions, but you'll still still have those core mm-hmm. metrics that we've talked about. Yeah. So you haven't stopped expanding your service necessarily. I mean, customers are going to be asking more of you, and you think you might continue to evolve. Definitely. We will continue. Evolution is definitely the way in the path, for sure. And as things change, the world today is challenging one. It was before all of this happened in the last couple of weeks. And so there's always a need for how can we help and how can we improve our solution. The SKU profitability we talked a little bit about, that's a solution that we've added on in the last year. So those are things that we hear and we say, hey, we may want to move toward this path. And so we look at how we can do that most efficiently and economically for our client base. Robin Meyer of Transportation Insight, I want to thank you so much for helping us understand some of these red risk flags that companies cannot afford to ignore when they are racing Amazon, as you say. Very enlightening series of tips there, and also a little bit about Transportation Insight itself. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
That was my conversation with Robin Meyer of Transportation Insight, unfurling the eight red risk flags of e-commerce excellence. Our thanks to TI for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.